Hi, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Emily Green, otherwise known as Emily the Medium. This show is a space where I'll share my teachings around life after death, the soul, intuition, developing psychic abilities, and so much more. Together, we will expand our minds beyond what is widely accepted as truth and start to see the mind, body, and soul from a completely different perspective. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Happy day. Wherever you are in time and space, by the time that you're listening to this, we are in the thick of eclipse season. So I hope that however it's treating you is with some grace and you're handling it well and everything feels good and intense, but good. One of the things I was talking about to my collective membership this morning, which by the way, is always open for enrollment. We've got an epic month coming up in the month of June because it's summer solstice. I always plan some really extra special events on the solstice or equinox month. So we had a special kind of spring equinox in March. We'll have a really special month in the month of June for summer solstice. So it's an amazing time to join. I was talking to the members of my collective this morning morning, just about how in times of really potent cosmic events like we're in right now with the eclipses and so on, and just the cosmic energy, Saturn's in retrograde, we're beginning a Mercury retrograde very soon, if it hasn't started already by the time this podcast episode comes out. But at the time when there's like quite a lot of energies happening in the planets and the stars and the cosmos, our nervous systems tend to be a little bit more on edge than usual. And it can be harder to relax and regulate, which is why a lot of people have a hard time sleeping during full moons and during eclipse seasons and things like this. And so one of the best things that you can do for yourself is finding ways to really regulate and relax and come into parasympathetic dominance in your nervous system during these really high potency cosmic events that we're in right now. So that is something that I work on with my collective members as well. I gave them a little meditation this morning to kind of work with the energies and relax their nervous system so they can really be just as open as possible to all of the blessings that this eclipse season has to offer them. So again, if you're interested in joining the link in the show notes, and also you get access to all of the previous content. So it's like you you really can't lose. You get access to the content that's available presently and in the future and all of the previous content in the collective, which is absolutely amazing. All of the replays are posted in there. So, you know, if you want to join up, let me know. But just take care of your nervous systems, do things that relax and regulate your nervous system. There's lots of different ways to do that. Some of my favorite ways are through meditation, breath work, drinking lemon balm tea, drinking holy basil tea, getting outside, getting grounded, you know, taking Epsom salt baths. There's tons of ways to relax and reset your nervous system. But in my opinion, the best way is through breath. So get some breath work on your team and you'll be good to go. So anyway, hope you have a beautiful or you're having a beautiful eclipse season portal and it's providing you with all of the clarity and the downloads and the upgrades and everything that you could ever dream of. It really is. It's 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 high time for that right now. So enjoy it. So what I have planned for our episode today is actually a Q&A. I haven't done one of these in a while and I'm very excited. I've got some great questions written down. I opened up questions on Instagram last week and so I had some really good ones come through. So I love doing these every once in a while periodically because I 
I love answering questions. And actually, I was listening to my friend Christina Rice or Christina the Channel's podcast, and she was talking about her experiences in human design as a quad right facing person in human design. If you don't know what that means, it's too complicated for me to go into, so you can just Google it. But basically, the the, the moral of the story is that people with I, I'm also uh, well, I'm a triple right. Christina's a quad right. So, but the one aspect of our chart that we have in common is that we're constantly intaking and absorbing information from our environment, even if we're not consciously recognizing that we've absorbed a piece of information, constantly, constantly intaking information. And so the reason that Q&As work really well for people like me is because I am able to respond to the energy of the question without even knowing that I knew the answer. And it's actually something that I've always been able to do if somebody's asked me a question, I'll like, you know, I always thought I was just pulling the answer out of my ass, but then they would be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And they'd be able to cross-reference it and and check the answer that I had with something else that somebody else said or whatever. And so it's really just when I have the opportunity to be asked a question, I'm able to kind of pull from the deep well of my own knowledge and my own understanding, but also from information that's been absorbed into my energy field that I haven't even consciously recognized yet. So it was super cool. And uh, it definitely gave me a new kind of appreciation for the way that my energy works and the way that I intake information. (laughs) And I don't always have to like have something I used to really beat myself up because I would like intake a piece of new information, but then it wouldn't like stick. Like I couldn't keep it consciously in my mind. But it turns out that it it wasn't that it wasn't sticking. It was just getting processed into my energy and my body and my brain in a different way. So there you go. That's something you can look at as well in human design if you're interested. So we're doing a QA and a today. I'm very excited. Before we get to the Q&A, just wanted to give a quick update on my event coming up, Superconscious Conception or Superconscious Womb Space. I wanted to clarify, I'm calling it two different names because you don't have to be somebody who's trying to conceive to come to this event. You can just be somebody who is interested in having a deeper awareness and understanding of the energies coming onto the planet right now, a deeper awareness, understanding, and connection, and healing to your own womb space and the like. And you also can be a pregnant person wanting to come to this event. So it's really perfect for people all across the spectrum and would love to have you. It is Wednesday, June 9th at 6 p.m. Eastern time, and I have about 50% of the tickets sold out. So there's still a couple weeks left to get your ticket. Would love to have you there. The replay is going to be sent out to the participants within 24 hours, and the energy and the healing that is available on the replay is just as potent as it will be on the live call. So the link is in the show notes, so check it out there. And without further ado, let's get into today's Q&A. Enjoy! All right, everybody, let's get into the Q&A. So the first question I had is, what practice helped me open up to my intuitive abilities when I first got started? This is a great question. I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but maybe not in such a concentrated way. So it'll be great to have it all in one place. So this is, you know, this is a great question. If you're sort of at the beginning of your journey, opening up to your intuitive abilities, your psychic abilities, your connection to your body, your connection to a higher 
wisdom, your connection to a higher self, really whatever you want to call it. I think it can be really disorienting for people who are first starting out and there's a tendency to really like reach outwards for a bunch of external information or external resources or like read books and articles and take courses and classes and all that kind of stuff, which is all fantastic because it's all information, right? And information that maybe something in particular is really going to stick and hit home with you. And then that's the thing that propels your trust and your depth of your intuitive abilities forward, right? But in my personal opinion, when I first started out, I definitely did just that, where I was kind of just like, okay, I know I have this thing. And, you know, I was reaching outside because I personally just didn't have the resources of understanding within myself at that time or the self-trust. Let's be honest, I didn't have the self-trust in order to know what to do with them myself. So I reached outside and I read a lot of books and I did a lot of things and that was all great. It was all information. But in my opinion, what really moved the needle forward in terms of a practice that helped me kind of really open up is just understanding how my abilities worked for me as an individual. And so one of the things that I first got started doing is I had a, a friend at the time who sort of already had her toes in the water of intuitive development and things like that. And I started sharing some of my experiences with her and she was like, well, let's, you know, work together. And so we kind of bounced things off of each other. And if we had an experience, we would share and we would kind of just support each other and chat with each other about it. So having a community, I think, is like really, really important just in terms of even just having something to share about something that happens so that you don't write it off, you know, like, oh, I had this thing happen. And then you're like, but maybe it wasn't real. Maybe it wasn't true. Maybe that didn't, that wasn't actually as powerful as I thought it was, right? So the chances are is when you start sharing it with a person or a community or things like that, people can kind of go, oh, well, I had that happen to me too, or this is what this is, or, you know, things like that. So I think community support is such a key, such a key. I don't know where I would be if I didn't have people at the beginning of my journey to kind of bounce things off of with and practice with. And so with this same friend, one of the things that we did was pull angel cards for each other. We would do little mini readings for each other. We would just support each other in our practice. So that was one aspect of it. I also really actively looked for a way that I could practice and hone in a container that was correct for me. And well, actually, I shouldn't say I looked for it because I it actually kind of found me. I basically was like told to show up at a psychic development circle and I didn't really have a choice. My mentor at the time was like, hey, every Sunday, 10 a.m., be there kind of thing. And I was like, all right, you know, so I think it's also good to just like have something that you have to show up for a practice because, you know, life gets busy and we've got things to do and we've got lives and families and jobs and things like that. And sometimes our intuitive development can take a back seat. And so for me, having a standing commitment of time where I knew, all right, this is my practice time. This is my time to hone my skill and practice and work with other people in this development circle. So I think also setting a time commitment to yourself, whether that's like in a group or just with one other individual or just on your own. I'm not saying you have to do it with other people, but just setting aside the time and preferably if it's the same time, you know, every day or every week, that's also great because that really just shows a consistency, a determination and a commitment. And it also just shows that you're not willing to pass it up and that it's important to you. And then the spirit world and your guides and things like that, they start to respond to that. They see they're like, oh, here she is. Okay, let's do this thing. So that's what I would say 
wishing you so much awareness and excitement on your journey to developing and strengthening your intuitive abilities. All right, next question. How do you tell if spirit babies will come through as twins? This is a really great question. And I think I've answered this before on the podcast too, but I'll answer it again. So here's the thing. Just as a kind of a little disclaimer from my personal experience is that I have in all the years that I've been working with the energy and the frequency of spirit babies, there have been many, 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 many times where I have someone come to me and they are convinced that they're having twins. Um, they're like, I know it. It's got to be true. I feel it. I've got twins in my family, da, 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 you know, all this kind of stuff. So we always have to think about, okay, so even if you do have twins in your family, you know, there's a genetic connotation, which of course is important. And I'm not negating that, but then there's also the energy connotation of the fact that usually spirit babies who come through as twins will have a pretty good idea that they would like to do this next lifetime together and that it's important for them to do it together based on a certain contract that they have together or whether it's just they're wanting support or whatever the case may be. And so it's a, you know, it's, it's a choice. It's a conscious choice on their end too. And even sometimes, you know, when we're like so sure we're going to be having twins and then a, a soul comes through just as a single energy just as a single, in a single kind of body, single single pregnancy, I think it can be really disorienting for people. They just don't understand like what happened. And so in my experience is that being a twin, I'm married to an identical twin, so I know this very well. Being a twin is a very specific lifetime. It's a very specific lifetime experience. And to be honest, there are a lot of challenges that come with being a twin or being a multiple. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. And so in my experience of all the years I've been doing spirit baby readings, there have been many a time where I felt two souls very, very, very close together. And usually that's how you can tell that two souls are either decided that they're coming in utero as a multiple pregnancy or they're thinking about it. Now, in all of those times that I felt those souls or those energies so close together, those people have continued on to not have a multiple pregnancy. They've only had a single pregnancy. So I've never had the experience where I've seen two souls very close together presenting as perhaps twins who have actually decided to come through as twins, right? So that's just something to keep in mind. It's a very, very, very specific lifetime. You know, in terms of how you can tell, it's very tricky, to be honest. <laughs> it's very, very tricky. I think, you know, you got to trust your feeling and you got to, you know, if you have a feeling about, oh my gosh, I think I might be having twins or I just, you know, have this premonition that that's the way it's going to be, you know, that's beautiful. But also stay open to the fact that these energies may change their mind and they may choose to come in separate pregnancies. That's their choice, right? Um, that that it's their choice. So keep that in mind. There's a lot that goes into it, but I hope that answers your question in the most kind of simple and easy way. Just going to interrupt this episode really quickly to let you know that on Wednesday, June 9th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, I am hosting an online spirit baby healing event called Superconscious Conception or Superconscious Womb Space, whichever you prefer. This is going to be an amazing chance for you to deepen your connection to the souls of the children that you are hoping to call onto this planet and into your families to heal 
heal any past pains, hurts, traumas from any past experiences that you've had with conception, miscarriage, or otherwise. It's a beautiful womb healing opportunity to really connect to the group energy of other people who are also bringing children onto the planet at this time. A big thing that spirit babies have been telling me in readings is that they're looking for community. They're looking for unity, not just within their families, but with their peers, with other families, with other like-minded individuals. So we're going to make that happen for them on June 9th. So the link for tickets is in the show notes. I would love to see you there. I am so excited to lead this healing event. There's still lots of time to get a ticket for this event, and I would be so happy to be there with you. So hope to see you on June 9th. All right, next question. What exactly happens when we die and where do we go? I love this question. And I want to send a special little shout out to the woman who asked this question because she's such a deep thinker and she always asks the most hard hitting questions and I love her for it. <laughs> so thank you for asking this question. So, you know, here's the thing. I commune and connect with the other side and with the energy of kind of the quote unquote afterlife almost every day. And I still don't have a complete and total understanding of everything that goes on with it. And this is very important to mention that, you know, we're living in these human bodies, we're exploring ourselves spiritually and exploring the myriad of different spiritual experiences that we can have, you know, on planetary, off planetary, in astral realms and all this kind of good stuff. But it's also just important to note that it is actually important for us to have some things that are unknown to us as human beings, that some things are a mystery, that some things we can't quite get our heads around. And I think the first thing is just like being okay with that. <laughs> it's very hard for a lot of us because as I've talked about before on the podcast, we really aren't comfortable with the unknown or the uncertain. But in my experiences, you know, there are some things that are kind of non-negotiable when our soul leaves our physical body. And the first one is is having someone, whether that's a loved one or a guide or an angelic being, come to kind of escort us to the next expression of the frequency. So there's almost always somebody who's coming to kind of say, hi, you know, come with me and and let's kind of transition you from physical to non-physical fully. So there's so that's the first thing is there's some aspect it varies and differs from person to person. And by the way, I know this because of my experience giving readings, but also a really good thing to study if you're very curious about what happens when we die is people who have had near-death experiences and who have actually come back into their bodies after those near-death experiences. So, and you'll notice that it's the same kind of thing as what I'm saying here that the near-death experiences people have and the stories that they'll tell vary, but also there is a common thread that kind of links them all together, which is very interesting. So in my experience, there's somebody who kind of comes and is able to sort of escort us to the next phase. And then there is a panoramic 360-degree life review where we review our entire lifetime from start to finish, kind of looking at it broadly and in general. And then we start to go into all of the ins and outs of our human experience and where we really lived up to our destiny and maybe where we didn't, you know, do so well in some situations. And that's not to like make you nervous. It's not anything that's like somebody is saying to you, you know, 
well, you did this and you did that and you got to pay and all this kind of stuff. You know, in my experience, we are responsible for our own life review. There's support teams that are there. We've got angels and guides and beings who are there with us, but we're reviewing our own life experience and going, okay, where did I really do really well? Where did I like live up to the fullest extent of my capacity and my power and my potential? Maybe where did I shrink down or shrink back? Or maybe where did I lash out in anger when I didn't need to? Or, you know, where did I cause harm? when there shouldn't have been harm caused, right? So you're doing your own life review. So it's not like, you know, there's some kind of force that's telling you all the things you did wrong or right. It's you're evaluating yourself. You're evaluating your own lifetime. And so in my experience, there's a process that goes on like that. And then after that, there's so much variance that I can't even put it into words. I mean, it's so different for everybody. Some people go on to a next incarnation right away. Some people spend some time to rest in heal. Some souls will, you know, oh my gosh, there's just so much variance to it. And so there's no way that I can really sum this all up into words. But I really recommend if you're curious about continuing to explore just the journey of the soul and what what happens when our souls leave our physical bodies is to study some people who have had near-death experiences. There's tons of books out there. You can just Google. Anita Morjani's is a very popular one. I think Dying to Be Me, I think that that's the name of that book. So that's something that you can look into, but great question. Okay, this next question says, does everyone have a spirit baby? What if you'll never be able to have kids again? Yeah, so this is a great question. I just want to clarify that having a spirit baby does not mean necessarily always that that spirit baby is going to be a physical child. So to answer your question, does everyone have a spirit baby? I mean, technically, yes, but it's always up to, it's either to do with our free will or our body's ability to bring a soul down that they're actually able to make the passage from spirit into the physical form. So it's kind of a tricky question. It's kind of a nuanced question, but I think if I'm speaking to the person's experience who asked this question, if you're not able to physically conceive again, do you still have a spirit baby? Yes, absolutely. And I think it just depends on the path that you take from this point forward. If you decide that you're complete and you're not able to conceive again, that spirit baby will still be a part of your kind of cosmic support team, you know, your your spirit team. They're still very much involved and aware and a part of it, even though they're not able to make the transition down into your physical body. So that's one part of it. Also, if you're not able to physically conceive again, but you are interested in continuing the conception process in other ways, whether through adoption or working with the donor agency or surrogacy or whatever the case may be, sometimes, you know, spirit babies will actually make the journey to appear in the bodies. You know what I'm saying? So there's so much again, like to all of these questions, there's a lot, there's not just one straight answer that I can give you. It's like just so black and white and it's just like this. But to answer your question, yes, even if you're not able to conceive there is still a spirit baby. And it just kind of depends where you're at. If you're continuing the process or if you're kind of closing the door to having a child or having another child, it really just depends. So I hope that answers your question and sending you so much love. 
Oh, good question. How was the journey to Lemuria? <laughs> this is a good question. So I talked about this on Instagram last week, and I was going to expand on it on Instagram, but actually uh, I figured it would be a lot easier for me to expand right here. So when was this? This was last week. First of all, just to preface this, if you haven't heard of the lost civilization of Lemuria, in my experience, it's not as well known or as much of a buzzword as Atlantis is, which is very interesting because from what I understand, Understand they pretty much existed around the same time. They weren't lost civilizations at the same time, but they existed for a period of time at the same time. But Lemuria is essentially, in my understanding, I don't know everything because I've just started kind of journeying there and bringing back conscious memories. But in my understanding, it's a highly, highly evolved spiritual civilization that existed about 300,000 years ago. That's a lost civilization that actually there, there it was a continent that existed. There's some dispute, there's some kind of argument, but it existed kind of somewhere in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of California, kind of in between the coasts of California and the kind of the west coast of North America and the east coast of China, etc. And it was a lost civilization. But there's reports that, you know, some of these Lemurian people actually were able to make it off of the continent before there was destruction of the continent. And they kind of dispersed throughout the world and are now sort of, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stories. I'll give you my experience. So this was last week where and, and also the other thing that I want to say here too is that I don't always have memories of where I'm astral traveling to. So when I am able to bring back a conscious memory, I'm very grateful. <laughs> um, it's very special and I always make sure to pay, you know, super, super close attention to it. But in this travel experience, I was actually traveling through basically like a maze of underground tunnels. <laughs> and these underground tunnels were kind of like moving in a downward spiral of a circle. And I was like walking down these underground tunnels and I was actually with somebody who's been on the podcast. Her name is Hannah Kuhari. She's a friend of mine. And uh, and in this, in this astral travel, we were actually together and we were walking down through these tunnels together. And I've actually been able to recover more memory of this experience since, um, since I first had the experience. And so essentially at a Certain, uh, at a certain point, we reached an end of these underground tunnels and we parted ways. Hannah went one way and I went the other way. Where I went was kind of into this, the best way I can describe it was a chamber or like a, it almost felt like the energy of like a conference room. Like, yeah, a conference room, like where you can tell that there was some important shit going down in the space that I entered into. And in the space that I entered into, there was all of these beings and these beautiful, different colored jewel tone, kind of almost like these jewel tone robes, um, almost is how I want to say it. And they were very welcoming. They were excited to see me. And and I was able to kind of through recovering this piece of this memory, I was able to understand that it wasn't my first time there. It was just the first time that I had brought back a conscious memory of me going to this place. And so 
I was very grateful and just very uh, kind of humbled to be there and be amongst all of these these being. There was probably about, just trying to close my eyes and kind of count, I would say there's probably anywhere from about 10 to 12 energies, Lemurian energies in the room. And everybody was standing up, formed in like a semicircle facing towards me. And basically what I was able to understand about why I had been making all of these journeys to Lemuria was that I was in training, um, that I was in training to be, they gave me this word to be basic. And I had this confirmed by one of my teachers who actually got this word too. I was training, I'm training to be an envoy for kind of a bridge between the way that Lemurian civilizations used to operate, highly spiritual, highly unified, highly harmonic, highly intelligent, highly advanced civilizations, and to kind of start to bring these energies to planet Earth. And I was being trained on how to do that most effectively and properly. So, you know, big stuff. It's pretty big, pretty big um, shoes to fill. But, you know, (laughs) I remember asking in the in the in the travel, like, how much longer do I have to train for? And basically, they were like, you know, we'll let you know kind of when you're ready to kind of fully step into this role of being an envoy for this really just like the the continued kind of consciousness raising of humanity of of civilization and also starting to change some societal structures that are really just not working on planet Earth. So stay tuned on the (laughs) Lemuria kind of experiences because I'm still in training and so I'm sure I'll go back there again soon and I hope I'm able to bring back conscious memories of it again this time. So thanks for asking. That was a really fun question to answer. Next question. This is a really great question. How do you support your head or your brain or your body as you start to connect and open up spiritually and connect with your guides? As I'm connecting more and more with my guides, I find that my head gets fuzzy or throbs after I'm done. It usually subsides after a few hours, but it can be very intense. Oh, such a good question. So I actually teach a whole section on this in my private mentorship, just on like what it can look like to have in your physical body to have an increase of psychic kind of energy in your system. Because a lot of people, when they start opening up psychically and intuitively and spiritually and they start connecting with their guides more, their physical bodies will respond. And, you know, I had this one woman come in once and this was before I started teaching on like what can happen and the symptoms of increase in psychic energy. And so this is why I started teaching it. But she came and she was like freaking out about this thing. and was like, oh my God, this is happening to me and I don't know what to do. And am I dying? And, you know, all this stuff. And I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. Like, this is what this is. You're just experiencing symptoms of an increase in psychic energy. And she was like, oh my God, I, you know, I wish I knew that. So that's why I started kind of teaching this from this point forward. So, you know, it's just important to know that as you start and you kind of get on a consistent practice, first of all, it's a good thing. It means your body's responding to your practice. It means your body is responding to the connections that you're making. It means you are actually making contact, whether or not it feels like the kind of contact you want or whatever. If your body, if you're getting fuzziness or, you know, your head's kind of, you're getting a pulsating sensation in your crown or in your third 
eye. This is amazing. This means that your pineal gland is starting to secrete. Your pituitary gland is starting to secrete. Your third eye is opening more and more and more. Your crown is becoming more clear, right? So it's an amazing, amazing sign. It can be a little bit disorienting, especially, you know, if you have to have a clear head, clear mind. And so it's just a good call. Like if you are, you know, doing a meditation session or a session to connect with your guides or whatever the case may be, and you're complete, you know, you could just kind of say, thank you for helping me kind of reintegrate or integrate all of these upgrades and all of this new connections that I've just experienced and just help me have a clear mind, clear heart, and a strong body so I can move forward throughout the rest of my day. So it never hurts to ask. Sometimes though, you know, you'll ask for that and it'll stay stick around. What I would suggest is just keep breathing, grounding, lots of water, really picture yourself kind of pulling your energy back into the top of your head, top of your crown. You can rub some oil on your third eye. That's also like olive oil or sesame oil, almond oil. Um, those are also really beautiful ways to support that area. I used to call them like third eye headaches or like crown headaches um, because, you know, it's just your third eye and your crown kind of getting more and more active. So, you know, you can always just ask for support, like if it's a little bit too much, but also know that over time, as you continue to practice, that it gets less intense, like it doesn't feel as intense and you won't get that fuzziness, you won't get that throbbing. So keep going. It's a very exciting thing. Um, and if anybody else, you know, has been having similar experiences as they've been opening up spiritually, you can kind of take this in your own way too. It might not be for you like fuzziness or throbbing or whatever, but you know, it's always fun when you start to notice your body responding to a rise of psychic energy in your system. It's very exciting. So that's it for the questions that I have for today, everybody. Thanks so much to everybody who submitted a question. I think I answered almost every single question that was on there. I didn't see any other questions that came through. So I'll do another Q&A in the future. I look forward to doing that. Please let me know if you have any questions from the questions or answers. And if you got your question answered, I would love to hear how it sat with you. So have a beautiful day, everybody, and I will talk to you next week. 